The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome and happy. Is it Wednesday? It is Wednesday, right? Happy Wednesday. <laughs> Jay Salveson, John Russell, Eric Francis out of town today. He picked a really, really, really bad day to do so. Uh, and so John Russell joins me here. I'm grateful to have him on a day like this. I need help. I can't do this thing what, solo. What are you talking about? It's a slow day. Nothing, nothing big nothing happened, happened today. Nothing happened. Been low key, low key. Talk about maybe some Copa America soccer. You know, cricket has a Cricket's really good rolling. league going on right now. Yeah. I, I'm excited about cricket. Uh, no, Jazz. No big deal. Makes a trade. Uh, we are in business, as you say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies are trading point guard Mike Conley to the Utah Jazz for Grayson Allen, Kyle Corver, Jay Crowder, and the 23rd pack or pack pick <laughs> in Thursday's in Thursday's draft in a future first round pick. Uh, everybody said, "Well, this guy broke this story. This guy broke this story. This guy." No, shut up, everyone. Let's make this very crystal clear to you. Tony Jones of The Athletic broke this story. He's been breaking this story, actually been working on this story, since February. So hush it. Uh, and we are honored and privileged to have that very man, yours truly, Tony Jones of The Athletic, beat writer for Utah Jazz, joining us here on the Full Court Press right off the bat. Tony, thanks for your time, buddy. Oh, man, thanks for having me. You guys are way too kind with your intro, though. Uh, <laughs> no, no, you do a hell of a job, and you deserve every bit of credit. Uh, Tony, let's let's start from the beginning with this thing. I mean, at birth, you were you were all over this. What was the conversations like in February when Utah Jazz were talking to, to the Memphis Grizzlies about a trade with Mike Conley? Uh, it was one of those things where I, I think the Jazz, by the Jazz, I, I mean Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck and David Morey, uh, you know, those are the front office guys. And they just kind of came to the conclusion and said, hey, we've kind of maxed. We've kind of peaked as a roster. We've kind of hit our ceiling. What makes us better? And, you know, they were having those conversations. Uh, and all through January, they started having those conversations, and they turned their focus to Mike Conley. And from the beginning, they were really, you know, just kind of enamored with him. Like, hey, you know, this guy can make our team better. Um, they came really close to getting something done at the deadline. Uh, talks fell apart pretty inexplicably uh, in the last day or so before the trade deadline, um, and. You know, then Memphis underwent a regime change, uh, and you know the Jazz realized that they still wanted to trade for him, uh, so they put together a package, and you know they uh, acquiesced to some things in terms of putting Grayson Allen in the deal, um, but but they were able to get it done, and I think that the Jazz fully believe uh, that they've they've maximized or, or they've raised their ceiling, and they've raised the level of their roster right now. Tony, let's let's get into the meat and potatoes of the whole deal. Let's talk about it and get your. I'd like to get your thoughts on on everything that went down. Who's leaving? Connolly's coming. I I think I'm I'm with you. I like the move. I like the fact that they they went ahead and pulled the trigger on something. But how are you feeling about the trade? What does it do for those that you know just just may not be following basketball as much as they should? What does the trade do for the Jazz? And, and how does it hurt them? Because they lost a whole lot of pieces. Right. Well, the thing that it does for the Jazz, it makes them 
in my opinion, it makes them a lot better, significantly better, um, because you know the, their biggest need was they needed another guy who can create off the dribble, uh, another guy that was dynamic, another guy that could get into the lane. Um, Donovan being the first guy, but you know it, that it, in the playoffs against Houston, you know it, it showed pretty clearly that you know if you only have one guy that can create, um, a team can can really take that guy out if they really try. And, you know, having another guy uh, of Mike Conley's caliber caliber means that teams are going to have to play them differently uh, in the playoffs. They won't be able to load up. They won't be able to, you know, commit, you know, multiple defenders um, towards Donovan Mitchell with Mike Conley on the floor. So that's what it immediately does. Um, you know, it's, it was one of those things, uh, where where I think uh, that the Jazz uh, saw, you know, saw against Houston, you know, the what they had wasn't enough, and you know their goal was to beat Houston and Golden State, and you know, and then it became even more determined when you know Kevin Durant went down with injury, when Clay Thompson went down with injury, and you know it it, it became really clear that Golden State wasn't going to be. Uh, next year wasn't going to be what it what they have been. So um, I think that you know by getting Conley uh, on board, I think that the Jazz uh, have put you know the the right guy next to Donovan Mitchell uh, and the guy that you know they feel that they could they could make uh, an elite backcourt with. Obviously, D'Angelo Russell, Kemba Walker, and other guys from the conversations of, of of maybe being able to go after during free agency. What were those conversations like, and when did it turn to, you know what, forget it, we got a chance at Mike Conley? Well, I think, you know, and I tweeted this um, today, Mike, Mike was their first guy. Mike was the guy that they wanted. They really liked Kemba. They really liked uh, D'Angelo. They really liked Tobias Harris. Um, but Mike was the guy they wanted. Mike was the guy that they were like, okay, you know, this is the guy we're going after. Uh, I think it's coincidence that, you know, the way to acquire Mike Conley was by, tra- by trading for him. So I think cosmetically it could look like, hey, you know, the Jazz were doing the trade market so they can keep uh, some, of that, some of their offseason in their control rather than test the free agent market where all of that is out of their control. And I think that there's some truth to that. Um, but at the same time, um, Mike was absolutely their number one option. Uh, and, and the number one guy that they wanted uh, this offseason. Um, and I think it, even if that had fallen through, uh, I thought that the Jazz had a real shot at Tobias Harris, and I think that they would have had a pretty good shot uh, at, at D'Angelo Russell. Like Tobias Harris, I thought um, I thought that the Jazz would have been front runners for um, in, in terms of uh, entering free agency for. I think that they would have been a little farther behind uh, with, with D'Angelo Russell, but I think that they would have had a shot there as well. So I guess the question is, uh, are the Jazz done? Is is this the uh, first of many moves, or do you think uh, they're they're going to sit with this one and, and try and move forward? Um, I don't think they're done um, because, I, I mean, obviously, you know, at the very minimum, the back end of their roster needs to be filled out. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the thing with – the thing that, you know, that, that they – they need more shooting. Um, there's no more Kyle Corver on the roster. Uh, there's no more Jay Crowder, and Jay Crowder was really good for them, um, and so was Kyle Corver. So, 
Um, and, and all of Utah's best lineups feature Jay Crowder uh, as the small ball power forward. So I think the Jazz are going to go into free agency uh, looking to see if they could come up with a with a with a with a player that can that can replace Jay Crowder. Um, you know, I think that they are going to go into free agency looking for guys who can shoot the basketball. Um, so I, I think that you know those are two two uh, places that the Jazz are going to look for, um, and then those are two places that the Jazz are going to start. This roster absolutely needs more shooting. Uh, and if they can find a way to to find another stretch power forward, uh, I think that they'll look at that as well. We're privileged to have Tony Jones from The Athletic here joining us, the man that uh, knows jazz about as well as anybody does. We, we appreciate your time. It, ultimately, everything that the jazz are doing are trying to put themselves in a better position to move forward in the playoffs. They don't want to just make the playoffs. They want to they want to move forward, go to the finals, maybe even uh, you know, have a chance to play for a championship. Lots of moves likely to happen over the next couple of days. Uh we've seen the big one with Anthony Davis starting the the domino effect going on. How does this move in itself position the Jazz moving forward? Well, I think if you look at the Jazz right now, um uh, let, let, let me give you some context. So the Jazz were have won 50 games uh, in three straight seasons. Well, 49 or 50 games in three straight seasons. And they've done that in a point guard-driven league. Like, this is the best league. Uh, this is the best era in NBA history for point guards. And their point guards in those three years were George Hill and Ricky Rubio. George Hill is currently a 20 to 25 minute backup uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. And he's backing up Eric Bledsoe who forgot how to shoot in the playoffs. Um, Ricky Rubio will probably be either a low end starter somewhere or a backup. Um, So you replace those two with a guy who is probably one of the top seven or eight point guards in the NBA. So now, and then you look at what the Jazz are fundamentally. They are one of the two or three best defensive teams in the NBA. Now that team, one of the two or three best defensive teams in the NBA, now has one of the three or four best backcourts in the NBA. So I think if you look at that and you look at um, what they are on both sides of the floor now, um, it's an easy 51 team. It's probably a 55-win team, maybe a 60-win team if everything goes right. Um, So you look at that and you look at the rest of the Western Conference, uh, I think that, you know, you can make a easily make a case that the Jazz are a top three team in the West. Uh, And when you're a top three team in the West, that means you have home court advantage. uh, And that means that, you know, you you put yourself – uh, in a position to, to, to make a playoff run. So I think that the Jazz have gotten significantly better today, uh, and they did it without uh, giving up Derek Favors, who they badly wanted to keep, and they did it without giving up Dante Exum. So um, I think that the Jazz are real winners um, uh, right now, and I think that they've uh, put themselves in, in position to be a real factor next year uh, in the playoffs. How do they keep Derek Favors in this? Well, they they uh, were just like, hey, we're not putting them on the table. 
um, you know, the, the meat of the trade are the assets that we're giving you, which are the first round picks. So let's find a way to, to, um, uh, to do it without putting Derek Favors on the table. So how is, this is how it benefits Memphis right now. Uh, you have, you have Jay Crowder, who's an expiring contract next year. You have Kyle Corver, who is partially guaranteed. Uh, and if you guarantee him, he's an expiring contract next year. You have Grayson Allen, who is uh, who uh, is on a, a dirt sheet rookie contract. So right there, you're given real flex, cap flexibility uh, for, for for Memphis. And then uh, you give him this year's first round pick, and then you give him another first round pick, which might not convey until 2022 when it's a double draft. And by double draft, I mean uh, 2022, we are all expecting uh, high schoolers to be let back into the NBA draft. So uh, the Jazz the Jazz gave Memphis cap relief. They gave them a young player uh, who had some promise, and they gave them uh, and they and they gave them uh, two 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 assets and first round picks. So all told, for a player that's making thirty one million dollars a year. Uh, and a player who's going to be 32 years old uh, before the season starts, That's a, that to me, that's a pretty nice haul. Again, Tony Jones of The Athletic is joining us. He broke this story the morning. Uh, he's been all over the story since its birth. It, it's been incredible, the work he's been doing on it. Uh, Tony, how can the Jazz get back into the first round? Are they looking to get back in the first round? Because, well, I mean, they give around two first-round picks. Uh, or what's the path looking like that regard? Well, they have money that they that they can buy their way back into the draft. Um, I don't think that they can buy their way back into the first round. Okay. Ironically, the Jazz are the last team to have bought their way into the first round, uh, and that was for Rudy Gobert um, back in 2013. Hmm. Hasn't been done since. So, uh, but I do think that the Jazz can buy their way up in 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 the second round, somewhere in the 30s. Uh, the one thing that I think that the Jazz believe is that they can get the same caliber of player from 30 to about 36, 37 uh, that they can get, that they could get from 20 to 23. So um, the Jazz worked out a lot of uh, players. Um, you know, they didn't work out. This is one of the first years that they didn't work out anybody uh, that was slotted, that, that you would argue was slotted above them. Uh, maybe Nick Claxton from Georgia. Um, I think he might go at the end of the lottery. Uh, but they worked out a lot of guys who were late first round, early second round type type guys. So they have number 53 tomorrow, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if they try to make a move and get up into the 30s. Well, it's it's an exciting time for the Jazz, certainly, and uh, it's something a lot of people were hoping for. They wanted to see the Jazz after last year not doing anything, uh, making a big move, giving something a shot. Tony, I, I, the one thing you, you mentioned, uh, that they didn't have to give up Dante Exum, are they still excited about him and the potential? I mean, we, we talk about injuries, but but he's still on the roster. Yeah, if, if he can stay healthy and, you know, that is a huge if with Dante Exum. Yes, uh, it is. The Jazz really believe in him. They really believe in his talent. Um, here, here's the thing. It's it's hard. It, you look at Dante Exum. Uh, he's six foot six. Uh, I would go on the record as saying he is uh, an elite or a, or a near elite defender. 
Um, he's got a terrific first step and he's a terrific athlete. Uh, he, so it, it's hard to give up on a 23 year old guy that you have team control over with those physical dimensions, uh, and those characteristics on the floor. Um, is he perfect? No, uh, he's never going to be a 20 point per game scorer. Uh, he's, you know, he's probably never going to be a 40% three point shooter. Um, but he, he does things that win you playoff games. Like last year, his defense on James Harden won the jazz a playoff game. And I think this year, uh, I think you could absolutely make the argument that the jazz really missed Dante Exum, uh, in their series against Houston. So, um, he, he's got some, some stuff. Uh, that you just simply can't teach. Um, his problem right now is that he's got to stay on the floor and he's got to prove that he can stay on the floor. So Tony Jones is now a director of player personnel for the Utah oh, Jazz. Oh, calm down. Don't do that to him. <laughs> I think no, he should, nah, I, that is really, that is really <laughs> jumping the shark. <laughs> hey, well, hey. Now I, I'm ready to give you the, throw the reins over to you. You talked about they need somebody else uh, so that can stretch the floor. They need, they need a shooter. Uh, you, you've mentioned a couple other things with what they've got uh, currently, which you're talking about, you know, late second round pick. Uh, you, you've talked about there's some good players a little higher up in the draft, uh, potential second round picks. Uh, what are you looking for other, other than those things? Um, I think you're looking for positional versatility. You're looking for, you know, a guy that can play two or three positions. I think you're looking for a guy that has upside, uh, if you can. Um, or, you know, you're looking for somebody like Cam Johnson from North Carolina who does one thing so exceptionally well uh, that that one thing is going to keep him in the NBA for 10 years. So, um, you know, I think that those are some of the things that they're looking for. Um, but, you know, pretty much everybody that they worked out, you know, can, can shoot the basketball. Um, and a lot of those guys uh, they worked out, you know, have a lot of experience. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what they're able to do and how, how far they're able to get up uh, into the draft if they choose to, uh, to, to seize an opportunity there. Tony, final question for you. And I ask this just because your ear is so close to the ground of the NBA and you have so much knowledge of it and so many great sources. But the the whole Chris Paul Houston Rockets situation is that real or is that fluff? And if it's real, what direction is Houston looking at? Because they don't have a lot of options in regards to cap space, do they? Well, I mean, I think some of some of the stuff. I mean, you know, with a lot of stuff lies somewhere in the middle. Uh, do I think that there's beef between James Harden and Chris Paul? Absolutely. Like I think, first of all, Chris Harden, Chris Paul grates on everybody. Um, you know, and that's just what he's done for his entire career. Um, and, and, you know, look, basketball savants, they're, they're that way. I mean, Michael Jordan literally punched Steve Kerr in the face. So, I mean, it, it happens. Um, do I think that, you know, it's, 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 you know, one of those things where, you know, it can't be fixed? No. I mean, I think that they can still play together. I think at the end of the day, those guys have a, a common goal, which is to win a championship. So, you know, I think that those guys can come together and, and figure it out. Um, but I, I do think that there are, there are fences that are, there are fences that need to be mended there. Uh, and I and I do think that you know Houston, uh, if they don't figure it out, they're they're probably going to take a step back. 
Tony Jones at The Athletic. He broke the story this morning on the Mike Conley trade to Utah Jazz. He's been all over it, uh, and he's one of the best in the damn business in the NBA. Couldn't be any better. And honor and privilege to have you on the air with us. Thank you so much for your time, Tony. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Tony. Tony Jones of The Athletic. <clears throat> uh, dude, he does an incredible job, and he has been all over this story from the get-go. Yeah. No one doesn't like him. And uh, and the way he's been able to handle all the information and keep it. I mean, because, look, when you get sources telling you stuff, you got to be careful how you like how you announce or, or you answer questions. And he's always answering questions on Twitter. And he's always really good about how he answers the question. That is something I've always admired about yeah. him. And uh, and I, I can't imagine what the what the adrenaline was like today <laughs> to announce that trade that was coming. And uh, Mike Conley again is coming to Utah in return. Memphis gets not one but two first round picks, including this year's twenty third. They also get Grayson Allen, Kyle Korver, and Jay Crowder. Uh, and uh, it's a new new era for Memphis, and it's definitely a, a huge turn in the right direction for the Utah Jazz, Sean. Well, you you look at Memphis, and and they clearly are are in the mode of of starting over. They gave up uh, Mark Saul last year. They they put, got rid of several of their pieces. This was the last big one that they had. And and really, you know, I, I look at Conley and and what he's done for Memphis. He's been there. He's played all twelve of his years in the NBA there in Memphis. Uh, tweeted out today that you know he he loves the city. He's going to miss it. But he also came in with a positive attitude. And and really, when you sit down and look at it. Why would you not want to come to the Jazz if you're in his position? Sure. Why would uh, and I love what Tony Jones was saying that you know the Jazz might have had a chance, and who's to say they don't have a chance to get Tobias Harris, uh, D'Angelo Russell? You've got to look at you're coming into a team that has it's one of the best, if not the best, defensive team in the NBA. You've got two All Stars in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. They need another piece that's willing to score. And, uh, and is willing to be a part of a team. And you've got an amazing coach and, and a great you know, executive team. So for Connolly, I look at it, you know, here's a guy, he's a little, little older. He's, you know, he's not a D'Angelo Russell, uh, early 30s. He's, you know, he's at that point in his career where it's like, you know what, I, I could you know, be a bigger star in a, in a different market, but here's a chance to get that championship. And already ESPN's putting Utah Jazz as as one of those top teams in the West. And you heard Tony right there saying he's a top, you know, the Jazz are a top three team. Uh, now it's the backside. Now they've got to fill in those pieces that they lost. Kyle Korver, was he going to come back? A lot of talk that he was going to retire. And my guess is that he may retire after this. He may just say, you know what, I've, I've had a great career. Everything's been great. Uh, let's move on to something else. Wait. Jay- Go ahead. No, I was going to say, Jay Crowder, love his enthusiasm, love what he did for the Jazz, but my feeling is you, you had what you had. I don't think he was going to get much better. And Grayson Allen's kind of the piece. Everybody points to that game where he scored, what was it, 40-some points on like 182 shots yeah. or whatever it was. Uh, you know, the Jazz needed to give up a piece. The two first-round picks, a little concerning about that, but uh, – as Tony said, the Jazz are a lot better with this trade. Uh, I uh, I talked to someone um, after Corver got traded here. I won't release my source either, but they said that when Corver, because he had that option in his contract, like a grandfather kind of option, the mm-hmm. contract to go to a contender after if the team becomes 
non-competitive. And when they went to him and they said, what team do you want to go to? Or what, what's your options that he wants? To? And he said, Utah, Utah, and Utah. Yeah. Uh, he met his wife here. He loves it here. His kids love it here. They feel comfortable here. They feel at home here. Uh, and he was heartbroken, absolutely just busted up about having to leave Utah the first time. Uh, didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, he, I, I know leaving after his brother has passed away, uh, he was exhausted after the season was over. He was mentally drained. He was emotionally drained. He was physically tired. He has a wife and kids. Uh, he says it changes things and that he has thought about retiring and mulling it. And I've heard it's been even more so and stronger. But then on the other end, I've heard there's been a little bit of, you know what, maybe I've got one more year left in me. Whether that And that was before the trade to Memphis. Now, whether that happens or not now is yet to be determined. But um, Kyle Corver is one of the most class act dudes you could possibly think yep. of. And what he said about Donovan Mitchell – after the press had yeah. left, you know, and he pulled them all back in and said, "I want to say one more thing, dude." That tells you what a stand-up guy he is and what veterans in the locker room can do for a team. And that's where Memphis, if if they're smart, yes, because Memphis yes. is not going to be good next year. They are going to be they are in total rebuilding mode. The Jazz pick is not a top five pick. You know, we're talking we're talking a tw- in the twenties. Maybe they can do something to help them out. But this is a team that's going to need some leadership. And and it's going to need some maturity in the locker room, and and Kyle Korver brings it. Yeah, there are a lot of Jazz fans that are heartbroken over him leaving, but they're at the point now where they've got to make some serious moves to to solidify themselves. And as much as I love Kyle Korver, and when, you know, if if I'm looking for a guy to bury a three pointer at the end of the clock, uh, he, there aren't many better than him. He's going to nail it. But he's gotten slower defensively. You saw the uh, almost said the Aggies. You saw the Jazz struggle in the playoffs. So defensively, there were a couple of times where you know they they struggled, and with him on the court, it got a little bit worse. Uh, it, it's a good move. The big question, and and this is what everybody's going to be talking about: Can Mike Connolly stay healthy? There's been no discussion about money. There's been no discussion about you know what he's done at Memphis. Sure. It's been can he still he- stay healthy? Sure. All right, we got to go to break because guess what? Coming up next of Salt City Hoops and ESPN.com, our favorite and our regular guest, Dan Clayton, was going to join us. Uh, we're going to talk about the aftermath of this trade and financially what it does to the Jazz. Because as we heard, there's options for the Jazz, but we'll get another guy. How much can they spend yeah. and where are they limited? Because obviously Mike Conley limits them in a great amount. Mike Conley is coming to the Utah Jazz. Three players and two picks, both first-rounders going to Memphis. Coming up next. Dan Clayton. John Russell's filling in for Eric France and I'm Ajay Salves, and you're listening to the Full Court Press on 106.9, 1390 AM, The Fan. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Full Court Press, 106.9, AM, The Fan, 429 is your time. John Russell's filling in for Eric Franson. He's not dead. He's alive. Gone but not forgotten. He'll be back soon. It's I'm Andre Salveson. <laughs> Great to have you all along. Big, big news in the NBA. Regarding your local, yes, it is the Utah Jazz who trade three players and two first-round picks for Mike Conley to come to Utah. Uh, delicious stuff. 
in regards of media talk. What it means for the Utah Jazz is much, much, much more. We've already talked to Tony Jones. Uh, he's very high on Mike Conley. He's been high on Mike Conley mm-hmm. for a long, long, long time. Now, financially, it does strap the Utah Jazz in a little bit of way. Uh, Dan Clayton, who wrote a terrific article, which you can find on Salt City Hoops and ESPN.com, uh, you, can, you can catch up on that article. It talked about the aftermath of the effects of this trade. Uh, so Dan Clayton joins us here with uh, John Russell and myself, Ajay Salvas. And Dan, let, let, let's start there. When you look at this trade and how much Mike Con- Conley will cost you, how how beneficial was it financially for the Utah Jazz to, to go in on, in on this guy as much as they did? Well, first of all, Tony Jones is a tough act to follow on this topic. Oh, stop <laughs> it, Dan. You're one of the best. Tony, Don't even dare. Tony has had, yeah, but Tony has had his pulse on this Mike Conley stuff since way back. I mean, for months, he's been ahead of the Nationals. He's been ahead of everybody on recording every, uh, on reporting, rather, every twist and turn in the, in the Conley interest where the Jazz are concerned. To answer your question, Ajay, it's big. It's big. I mean, he, he does make a lot of money, Mike Conley does. Um, not Tony Jones. Well, Tony Jones probably makes a lot of money. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, Mike Conley makes a lot of money, and so, you know, it's, it's not without sacrifice, but, you know, great players, always make a lot of money if you want like stuff costs what it costs if you don't want to pay big prices you're not going to get big talent and uh so you know there's certainly some some sacrifices involved in terms of the the players and aus- and assets that went out in this trade and there are certainly some sacrifices involved in terms of what the jazz will be able to do to continue shaping the roster around conley and around donovan mitchell and rudy gobert but really, on the basketball court, this move was just such a no-brainer. Mike Conley is really going to take the Jazz to the next level. I think that especially with the recent changes in the Western Conference where you know, suddenly the Houston Rockets are sniping and the Golden Warriors are running a mash unit, um, you know, with all of that in mind, I think the top of the West is as open as it has been in a decade, a decade and a half, maybe more. And suddenly the Jazz have vaulted themselves right into that conversation to to be there with the very best Western Conference teams. Before we get into the nitty gritties of the uh, of the deal and and the financial potential impacts and so forth, um, you made the comment you like what the Jazz did. It's a better move th- for them. Uh, what about the pieces that they lost and the fact that they're they're giving up two first round picks? Yeah, sure. It's a it's a great question and a great point. I mean, you know, the players that they that they gave up, I'm impressed that they were able to do this deal without sacrificing Derek Favors, either putting him in the deal or releasing him to make cap space for, for the trade to work. And I'm impressed that they were able to do it without including Dante Exum. Having said that, you know, Jay Crowder's good. Jay Crowder will be missed. Kyle Korver is good. Kyle Korver ran out of steam a little bit towards the end of the year, and he's 38 years old. But, you know, the record after the Jazz made that Kyle Korver trade last November speaks for itself in terms of what he did to the rest of the offense and, and the spacing that his gravity and the respect that people have for his jump shot um, creates. And then, you know, Grayson Allen is a good young prospect. So it's not like the Jazz didn't make a sacrifice here. Uh, you know, those are, those are three good players. Uh, I just think that when you have a chance, <clears throat> like Mike Conley, like, Here's something to consider. Mike Conley had more wins added, um, which is just an advanced metric that uses box score stats to kind of approximate how, how many wins a player contributed to his team record. Mike Conley had more wins added than 93% of the NBA, including five of the 24 players who were named All-Stars last season. Mm. 
So Mike Conley is a top 30 player in the NBA. He's an elite player. When you have a chance to add an elite player, even at the expense of, you know, your sixth man, your eighth man, your 11th man, whatever, that's a trade that I think almost any GM in the league would do. Uh, and then I didn't really answer your question about the draft pick. I think, I think the one thing that makes me a little bit nervous about the price on this trade <clears throat> is um, the protections get a little bit loose on that second first-round pick that the Jazz put in the deal. Um, it's, it's not going to be an issue as long as the Jazz stay good until 2022. But if, you know, the, if the right things go wrong, they could wind up handing a very good pick over to Memphis in, you know, 22, 23, mm. 24. But, uh, you know, like I said, that's only an issue if the, if the Jazz don't stay somewhat good. And I think they will. Yeah. Well, with the foundation, like you said, if all things stay well, they should be. I, I want to throw a question at you, kind of a two-part, and, and answer it how, how the flow takes you. Uh, the Jazz really, obviously, have been very interested in Mike Connolly for a long time. Uh, a lot of talks prior to the trade deadline, they were trying to work something out. That didn't happen. Uh, I guess my question is, one, did the Jazz get tunnel vision and was it just Mike Conley that they really truly were interested in? And were there under any other teams that were really looking seriously at Mark, Mike Conley? Uh, there were certainly other teams looking at Mike Conley. Um, Indiana was interested. I know Detroit was interested at the trade deadline and, and had an offer that I think was comparable to what the jazz were offering at that point. Memphis tried to pull a little bit more out of the jazz and it didn't work. They tried to pull a little bit more out of Detroit, and it didn't work. Then they went back to the Jazz and told the Jazz that Detroit was offering something that they weren't, and that was pretty easy for Dennis Lindsay to figure out. So, I mean, there was quite a dance going on at the trade deadline with a bunch of teams. There were teams interested now in the summertime in Mike Conley, um, including Boston, who's trying to, you know, kind of put the pieces together after um, their offseason has fallen apart a little bit with Kyrie Irving and now Al Horford both likely to bolt. So certainly other teams involved. I think the Jazz had other names on their list too. Most of the names that the Jazz were targeting as potential difference makers were going to be targeted via free agency as opposed to via trade. And, you know, the, the tricky thing about free agency is getting a guy to say yes to you out of 30 teams that are, that are knocking, right? Hmm. So I think that this was partially a bird-in-the-hand scenario, meaning – you know, you can be sure on June 19th that you have Mike Conley locked in, or you can go into July 1st with, you know, a wing and a prayer and a really good free agency pitch, but no guarantees. Um, so I think part of it was that, but then part of it honestly is like Mike is a guy that they've had targeted for a long time as someone who would make Donovan Mitchell's life easier. Um, unlock some things with Rudy Gobert that just haven't existed during the Ricky Rubio area era through no fault of Ricky's, by the way, like Ricky is a good player and, and the, he and the jazz will obviously now part ways, but you know, like Ricky did good things in Utah, but there were certain things that you just couldn't unlock for Rudy when Ricky Rubio was running a pick and roll. Um, and he's just going to accelerate their progress into that, into that true contention sphere um, which it feels like for the last couple of years they've been really good, but they've been just outside of that that circle of true contenders. Uh, I usually don't ask uh, questions from text messages from people during an interview, but I'm going to do it for this in just in this regard. And I apologize for making you answer this, but someone just asked me to ask you what? How does protection picks work? So, for example, the Jazz traded that pick, and you were just talking about how it might help Memphis in a way. Can you talk about how that works for us? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so so basically, when you trade a pick, you can you can negotiate with the other team that you're dealing with that they only get the pick under certain circumstances. So in this case, um, the the Memphis gets Utah's pick tomorrow night in tomorrow's draft. That is that's a for sure thing. Utah is sending that pick. They they will make the pick for Memphis, and then that player will be included when they finalize this deal in early July. Um, next year. Memphis will only get Utah's pick if it falls between 8 and 14, which it won't, right? Like, it shouldn't yeah. fall in that range because that would mean that the Jazz were a lottery team that they failed to make the playoffs. Same goes for the following year. The year after that, the pick is top six protected, which means that Utah keeps the pick if they have one of the six worst records in the league, or, or more accurately, if they're, if they're in one of the top six draft spots coming out of the draft lottery. Otherwise, they will convey the pick to Memphis. So that's most likely when the pick will convey. If for some reason things go crazy wrong that year, let's say Rudy Gobert leaves in free agency or someone gets injured or whatever, something, you know, a meteor drops on Vivint Smart Home Arena. <laughs> what, if something crazy happens in 2022 and the Jazz are really bad and they wind up with a top six pick, then in that scenario, the pick would kick over to the next season and be top three protected. So it's just... An, an individually negotiated um, stipulation on on when the Jazz trade the pick, and it's designed to protect the the team in the Jazz's scenario, so that they, you know, have a little bit of insurance that they won't wind up trading a, a you know a really really good pick. In this case, I would have thought that the protections would be a little bit stiffer, like maybe top ten protected in 2022, and maybe top eight protected the year after that. It wasn't. And like I say, that's only an issue if the Jazz don't stay good. But that's one thing to just keep in, keep in the back of our minds as we continue to analyze this trade and its its ripple effects on the Jazz for years to come. Hey, uh, based on those scenarios that you gave, I think most Jazz fans will take the meteor on Vivint no, over Rudy, Rudy leaving. So just <laughs> just want to be clear on that. Probably, probably. Uh, Dan Clayton of Salt City Hoops. You can find an article that he just uh, put out. Jazz take game at contention by acquiring Mike Conley on uh, saltcityhoops.com. It's in good, good, good stuff on the aftermath of the trade. I uh, want to talk to you about financially now. They, I mean, they're strapped, and we kind of got into that a little bit. It, uh, if they look for anybody else, how limited are they financially to be able to send somebody? And, like, what's the price range if there is one? Well, so at this point, they have they have – not spent because again the trade won't be finalized until early July. July but they 6th, have yeah. spoken for all of their cap space at this point. Okay. Um, now that means that they've rescinded the rights to Rubio, to Epe Udo, and to Tabo Cephalosha, and that means that with that salary freed up and with the three players that they have outgoing, that they have enough money to take Mike Conley's contract back. Um, now. Let's say that someone calls them on July 1st and says, hey, I really want to come, and I'm really good, but my asking price is $15 million. There are ways that the Jazz could, could then clear $15 million for that player, but at this point it would involve some combination of waiving players they like or trading players they like into another team's cap space. So, for example, um, Derek Favors is on the books for $17.7 million next year, but it's non-guaranteed if the Jazz waive him by July 7th. So if someone who fits into that price range says, hey, I want to come, 
you could you could always waive favors and sign that guy instead, but you wouldn't want to do that unless you were sure you had that guy in the back, right? So that's kind of what they're dealing with now. They're they're mostly capped out. If they wriggle any any money free, it's going to be at the expense of a player. Um, you know, they could they could easily find a taker for Dante Exum's nine point six million and free that up, but then you lose Dante Exum. Um, what they do have to work with is what's called the room exception, the room mid-level, which is a $4.8 million exception that they can use to sign anybody. Obviously, you know, at that price point, you're not going to get great players, but you can certainly get a rotation quality player. And then they can fill the, the roster out with minimum salary players. I, I didn't do my homework prior to the show on this, so I apologize. How many, how many teams are over the salary cap uh, at this point? Do you do you know? I mean, I, I could tell you a number, but it's a fake number at this point <laughs> because, like, every team is in kind of that same situation where, you know, they have free agent holds on their players. They have players who are non-guaranteed or have option years. So, like, it's all very fluid right now. I think we'll have a better, I think we'll have a better viewpoint by July 1 of exactly who's going to do what. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, Toronto's cap situation is very different if Kawhi Leonard decides to go to the L.A. Clippers. If he does, then that stinks for them from a basketball standpoint, but a whole bunch of salary cap units just opened up, and, and now they can maybe spend in ways that they wouldn't have otherwise. Same with, you know, obviously Golden State with Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson, et cetera. I guess the most direct question I could, answer you, I could give you is that, um, is that about – a half of the league, almost 15 teams have the option of creating enough cap space to sign a max player, the option. But doing so, again, would involve kicking some free agents out the door and some other maneuvering. So uh, last question for me, I think Ajay may have one or two more, but but again, the Jazz gave up the uh, the 23rd pick. pick, 23rd pick. Um, Your feelings on giving up a spot... uh, Obviously, getting Conley was a lot better, but certainly a good, good, you know, spot to, for them to give up. Uh, your thoughts on that, and um, and just basically where the Jazz are at this point. What more do they need? Yeah, good question. So I think where the draft is concerned, you know, people tell me I'm not I'm not a big draft guy because I spend so much time on the NBA that I just I really don't know these guys coming out of college until I start reading draft profiles in, in May and June. So, but what everybody says is that this draft is, is kind of weak once you get to the back half of the first round. And in fact, it, what the term I've heard a lot is that it's very flat after that, meaning the player you're going to select at 23 is pretty similar to the player who might still be available at 45 or something like that. So the Jazz have felt that way for months. It's one of the reasons why they've been willing, clear back to the trade deadline in February, why they were willing to put this pick in a trade for Conley or another difference maker. Um, So I don't think they're going to really rue missing out on this draft in particular. Um, To the other part of your question, where they're at overall, you know, obviously this trade gives them an awesome starting five. They're going to have, you know, ostensibly Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert as their starting five. That's an awesome starting lineup. Um, they're a little bit light on depth right now. It's basically Royce O'Neal, Dante Exum. If you think George Niang can be promoted to a bigger rotation role, then you've got Niang. And that's kind of it. So I do think that they need to spend the next couple of weeks 
scouring the market for some cheap additions, particularly, you know, some rotation quality big men. Um, you know, when you're a team at this stage in the process, you, you know, where you're, where you've found your core, you've identified your team, you've, you've put together a, a roster that can contend, but now you're, you're capped out, you're, you're strapped for cash. At that stage in the process, it's really important to be able to find good rotation quality talent in unexpected places. So if you think about like, you know, Houston had Daniel House kind of blow up this year out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really important for teams who are over the cap and in some cases over the tax and, and, you know, trying to still improve their roster without all the same financial levers that they can pull. Last question for me, Derek Favors. That, that's kind of the big topic that everyone's kind of surrounding in regards of this trade, the potential of it, was where does Derek Favors fit and how does it fit in? Ends up he doesn't even move in the, in, in the ending of the story. Uh, is there still a chance that they try to financial uh, a trade to get rid of him, I mean, to create some space, or is it, hey, we've got him, we're locked in with him, no matter what the financial blow is? Yeah, look, I think, you know, because of his late guarantee date, I think the Jazz have the, the luxury of going into July with their ears open. Um, that, now, I think that probably their default choice, their default scenario is that they plan to bring favors back. I think their idea is that, um, you know, favors is an elite guy to back up Rudy Gobert in those minutes and and that maybe you can stretch him out and play him as a power forward a little bit more when you have a shooting point guard on the floor in Mike Conley as opposed to Rubio who again does a lot of things well but he doesn't stretch the floor that he, he doesn't pull defenses out to him coming off a pick so you know I think the Jazz are open to to having favors be their starting four and you know, maybe having Royce O'Neal play some more small ball four minutes, and and like I said, Niang might get some more, might get a bigger role this coming season. But uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I think I think they will go into July listening to what's happening in the marketplace, and because there are so many free agents this year, more than a hundred players. That's like a quarter of the league, a fourth of the league this season. Are, are going to be free agents in July. And what that means is that, you know, some of this depends on how many of the star players stay where they're at. Because if you stay where you're at, you can re-sign with your bird rights and you're not eating up the finite amount of cap space that's out there in the market. Um, but, you know, if, if certain guys move around, then what you're going to wind up with is the big money is going to disappear and there's still going to be some good free agents left. And those free agents are going to have to sign for medium money. And then the medium money is going to disappear and there's still going to be some second tier guys left who now are going to have to sign for the mid-level. And then mid-level exceptions are going to start to disappear. So like there's going to be a, a trickle down in a, in a negative way for players and a positive way, I think for teams where there are going to be some good players that get squeezed into like the teens that, you know, 15 million, 18 million. And if someone, the Jazz, if someone the Jazz really like falls into that price range, I don't think that they're against waiving favors at that point and going and getting their guy. But it would have to be someone who they really feel is an upgrade over favors. Like, you know, I don't think they would do it for, say, Julius Randle, but they might do it if, I, I don't know. Thad Young, maybe? No, I don't even think Thad Young is an, is an upgrade. I, that's the problem. It's like, I can talk about these names, I can talk about this in the abstract and it makes more sense. Once I start actually putting names to it, it's hard to find someone who doesn't feel like a downgrade from Favors, who was probably, if we're honest, the Jazz's third best player last season. So, I don't know who those guys are, but 
um, you know, again, they have some flexibility. They, they also could use favors and XM in a July trade. If, you know, let's say Tobias Harris says, hey, Jazz, I really want to come, but I need that max slot of $32 million. You know, maybe the Jazz go find out if Philadelphia has any interest in favors and Exum, and they do it as a sign-in trade. So there's there's some uh, there are some options, but by and large, I think at this point, I I wouldn't be surprised to see them ride into October with Derek Favors as the starting power forward. How's that for a long answer, <laughs> Dan? Uh, you know what? I know you. I know we all kind of look at Tony Jones as this you know God above the rest, but you are so gosh dang good. With your stuff, uh, one of the best, and we—I can't tell you much, but we appreciate you jumping on with us so consistently and and giving us the best info that anybody could get. And uh, we appreciate you dearly. Enjoy the uh, rest of the day and uh, try to get some rest. All right, guys, have a good one. All right, buddy. That's Dan Clayton, Salt City Hoops. Find his stuff on saltcityhoops.com. We got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll recap it, put a bow on it, and try to uh, get you ready for the tomorrow night's draft. The NBA yeah. draft is tomorrow. We'll get you ready for that. John Russell, LJ Salveson on the Full Court Press, 1069, 1390 AM. The Fan! The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. John Russell, Audrey South, some full court press. Sorry, folks, that was a boring show. Special thanks to Tony Jones of The Athletic, to Dan Clayton of SaltCityHoops.com to give us the best info you could possibly ask for on a trade in which the Jazz give up Kyle Korver, Jay Crowder, Grayson Allen, and two first-round picks which includes this year's 23rd first-rounder. Okay, so, Aja, we've got just a couple of minutes left, so real quick, uh, because you're going to boot me out of here. Eric will be back tomorrow. We'll You're, see. You'll be back. And so last year, Jazz do nothing. Um, they they really made no changes. They they uh, let, uh, what's his name, go to, to Golden State, your boy uh, Jonas Drebko. Yeah. Uh, that, that was it. Really, That there were no other, other moves. No. Did you want to see something this year, and did you want to see something as big as this? Uh, this works. We needed a score badly. I mean, extremely badly. Mike Conley is that scorer. Mike Conley is that defender. He makes this team better. My biggest concern now is I think it's something you've already mentioned and asked about, the bench. It is mm-hmm. absolutely depleted right now, especially at the front line. They're going to need help in the back. How they can get that help, if you can get a guy like Trevor Ariza, which, by the way, would be phenomenal, I would take that in a heartbeat. But how much is he going to cost you? We saw Royce O'Neal play really well in the playoffs. Yes. To me, this is where if I'm Royce O'Neal, I'm putting something over my locker. Oh, amen. Uh, in yes. my bathroom, oh my on, the, on the mirror as I walk in every day. Because this is a chance for him to really step up. Is he the guy? I don't know. I loved what he did in the playoffs. But uh, I don't think the Jazz are done. It may not be playoff, or excuse me, uh, uh, draft time. But come free agency, they, they've got to make some changes. And, and as we heard from both our guests, as you just mentioned, they got to strengthen that bench. John, thank you so much. My pleasure. My absolute pleasure to have you on. And for Tony Jones, for Dan Clayton of SaltCityHoops.com, for John Russell, I'm Ajay Salveson. That will do it for your full court, pros- full court pressure tomorrow. We'll see you at the same time, same place, same station. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. If you weren't aware the NBA draft is tomorrow, you're not alone. There hasn't been a lot of buzz this year, and for a few reasons. The finals went late, and we're excited with Toronto knocking off Golden State. We're on the brink of a historic free agency period, and unfortunately for all the other prospects, Zion has gotten all the coverage. 
The only other players in the conversation, John Moran and R.J. Barrett. After that, a lot of question marks. In many ways, the NBA draft isn't what it used to be. Stars used to play three or four years. Now most of those top picks are one and done. It's rare for a player to really become known at that time. Zion is the exception, not the rule. But the draft is still a lot of fun. There's always hope your team can find a diamond in the rough, like Kawhi Leonard or the Greek Freak. If you're not, well, you can always judge the prospects' outfits on Twitter, just like everyone else. Enjoy the draft. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.